Hi, and welcome to Greedo Shot First. I'm Benjamin Light. And I am Marcus Sparks. And this is our Star Wars podcast. We have a regular podcast called Time Travel Murder Mystery, which you can find on iTunes. We do this one to uh, kind of quarantine our Star Wars nerdery and do a separate podcast. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, this week we'll be talking about a rewatching of A New Hope, episode four. Uh, before we get into that, any kind of general Star Wars thoughts? Uh, I believe I saw something with Kathleen Kennedy that she kind of hinted that maybe January was the month for mm-hmm. yeah, announcements. Yeah. I think we talked about that last week. But I, I actually saw, well, you and I have been saying that it's most likely going to be January, but I think I actually saw something like an no, actual I know. quote. We, or, we talked about that last week. But that's okay. Well, talk about it again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, they shot down, thankfully, that stupid rumor about the Yavin 4, like Jedi Academy movie. You know, I remember seeing that and thinking to myself, no, that's from the, the books. You know, like anyone yeah. who's ever read the books knows that that's just like a, a detail from the books. That, uh, and like, it was just the, the author of whoever wrote that was like, didn't understand what some like fans were telling her or something like that. Yeah. Well, I remember, I remember specifically wanting to ask you about this too. I saw something uh, like in the comment section, like on an io9 article about that, where one of the commenters was going off on this whole thing about how the Jedi Academy trilogy was like one of the greatest books. Untrue. <laughs> that's right. That's what I figured you it would, would say. be incorrect. Yeah. It's not a very but good the, That's Kevin J. Anderson? Yeah. What was, I mean, the in one general, with the, was he any good? Uh, I mean, that was like a weird time, because, I mean, they really hadn't done many other Star Wars books then besides the Zahn ones and, like, like a Truce Bakura and Courtship of Princess Leia, you know? So he was he was in that pretty early. He also edited the uh, all those, like, Tales from the Most Icy Cantina books. Uh, so he was, like, pretty big into, like, the Star Wars book universe for a while. But the Jedi Academy trilogy is just... It's kind of like fan wankery. That's the one with the Sun Crusher, like the ship that flies through Star Destroyers, and is it like invincible? Um, yeah, I was not a huge fan. I mean, there's definitely been worse books out there, right. uh, but yeah. Was that the was that Admiral Drala? Was she the villain? Dela. There's no R in Dela. it. Yeah. Okay. I don't know why I keep saying Drala. Yeah, I don't know either. Um, yeah, I guess. I mean, there were other. There's like a. You know, the spirit of a, a, an old Sith Lord, like, lived on Yavin, and they, like, awoke it by training there. I mean, there's some, there some dumb <laughs> shit going on. <laughs> I'm just kind of curious, what what was, like, the curriculum on, like, Jedi Academy? Like, how do you... It was, you it'll, yeah. it'll tie into our watching of New Hope, but, like, how mm-hmm. how do you go about training young Jedi post... There was a there was a bit where they all went down to like the bowels of like the Yavin Temple where there was like Mm -hmm. a hot spring, and they all disrobed (laughs) and like got in the hot tub together and like felt the force. (laughs) I'm not making that up. So so they do it kind of like the Boy Scouts or like some kind of like Vatican training thing for. I mean, all all of his uh, like trainees were like in their 20s at least. Like he didn't have like young people. Uh, It's weird, like the. They got progressively younger the longer the story went went along, which somewhat makes sense, I guess, just because post, uh, you know, like culling, it was like his like first class is mostly like either like, you know, force users who are in hiding or, you know, I think he had like an ex Jedi in there who'd just been in hiding for a long time, stuff like that. Hmm. Like it took a while for them to start having like, like really young classes in there. 
Well, and that's that's one thing to kind of say on the stage where we talk about New Hope. Um, this, I can skip this talking about in my notes, but like, I guess we're supposed to believe that post extermination, post culling, as you put it, like the force took such a shock or whatever that just like kids weren't born with like force sensitive abilities. I mean, I guess the way you would put it, seemingly there aren't that like there's like what a few thousand Jedi in the prequels, you know, at most. I mean, presumably, yeah, not that many. So in a wide galaxy, it's it's going to be somewhat rare anyway. And one would presume that uh, I mean, I, I don't know if like Palpatine had like some sort of like thing where he would scan all newborns or something for midichlorians or you know, mm. like would people with force abilities would they just hide them? Um, I mean, in the books, you know, it's like it turns out there are like a lot of people who are like, you know, force users or ex-Jedi and hiding and whatnot, which kind of made sense, you know. Right, right. Well, especially if you were going to have, you know, a TV show. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, uh, one of the things that like, I don't know if I necessarily want this, but the things that always kind of, you know, you accept it because it's kind of how it has to be. But in the prequels, especially in, in the the retro trilogy there's kind of like a vagueness of numbers things are very grand except when they have to be mm -hmm. manageable you know there's thousands upon thousands of star systems in the republic but like or like but, part of me would but like naboo to think that means when, so much yeah <laughs> yeah but part of me would like to think that like at the end of revenge of the sith when padme has to go see anakin and mustafa part of me would like to think that like kind of like a uh a, a game of thrones thing that that's like a month-long trip you know what I mean? Like with like many, many, many hyperspace jumps. You know, and Anakin's just kind of been quote unquote stationed there while waiting for something. Like, but obviously that's probably not going to be the case. It probably took her a matter of hours to get from well, Coruscant to Mustafa. In the, in the books, they've kind of set up an idea that like it does sometimes take a couple days to get somewhere by hyperspace, you know? Mm -hmm. um, but like that'd have to be like really far out there, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's one of those things where it's like the vaguer, the better in a way you you yeah. don't, you don't really want your audience thinking about that too much. Um, no. I mean, none of the, the plotting in say a new hope, for instance, really requires a vast knowledge of hyperspace time. I would say new hope really requires that you have very little knowledge of the, uh, the prequels. I mean, if I were to well, like yeah. Obviously. have kids and have them watch these movies, I really would not have them watch episode one first. I, would, I don't know. It's like, I would almost want to do it as like a social experiment or something, you know? <laughs> well, that's because you and I are the kind of people that would only have children as a social experiment, not because there's any kind of love or affection or desire that's, to procreate. That's true, yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I think say the one person who's kind of helped out by the prequels and all this is uh, Obi-Wan, you know, as Alec Guinness in New Hope. Like, he was already excellent in this movie, but, like, there's just, yeah. like, a little bit of extra weight to, like, everything he does, you know? Well, because, yeah, his performance just masks any inconsistencies between the two yeah. movies, between three and four, wonderfully. I mean, he well, and it just makes him seem like he knows even more now than he's letting on, you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and he seems a lot more devious in his, mm -hmm. his scheming throughout the course of New Hope. And I mean, and I, I will go into this as we talk about the movie, but... Um. Yeah, it seems like Obi Wan is playing a very long, very mean game. Well, and, I always wondered. And uh, quite frankly, Obi Wan let himself go in twenty years. <laughs> well, he spent the whole time at the bar. Uh, I always yeah. wondered what Lucas's direction was to Alec Guinness. 
in the scene where he talks about Darth Vader. Because it definitely looks like he's lying. You know, like he kind of pauses and like chooses his words carefully. And it's like, I wonder, did he know? Did, did he tell Alec Guinness at the time, like, when you say this, like, just pretend that like you're lying or something like that, you know? Yeah, yeah. I I don't know. I, I was going to say, um, I never read all the book, unfortunately. I think when I read it, I got it from the library and I had to return it. But uh, Skywalking was a very interesting book by uh, Dale Pollock. Skywalking, the life of films of George Lucas. Mm. Specifically just for the stuff about the the filming and the production of A New Hope. And that, I don't know, it's like you kind of have to cheer on George Lucas because nobody was on his side <laughs> during the course of making that movie. Except for maybe Alec Guinness only because he got tired of watching the British crew pick on like the nerdy American mm-hmm. like first time or not first time director, but you know, like yeah. uh, not quite prepared director. Um, I mean, it's, it's fascinating tidbits. Like uh, during the production of the film, like everyone wanted to sleep with Carrie Fisher. <laughs> and what was so amazing to them was that they like made her so frumpy. Like they actually like taped her breasts down and, and mm-hmm. all this stuff made her as frumpy as possible. I was just, it's a really interesting, like kind of like, the juicy gossip version of of making these movies and who knows how accurate it is i haven't really like gone back and looked at the sources but I, i'm really thinking about maybe picking up a copy of that book again soon because i i remember reading it just really finding it very interesting um so a lot of that stuff kind of sticks in my head a few things i remember from that book when i was re-watching this mm-hmm. um, tonight. i don't know this, this is a good movie it, i might put this at my number two um really yeah, I go back and forth between this and uh, like Revenge of the Sith, as like that and uh, Return of the Jedi are all kind of like they rotate spots, like two, three, and four, you know. Um, but I mean, it's just a good movie. Um, they they do so many things in this movie, uh, that it's it's when you watch it now you forget like for instance that uh, like every oh, not every but a vast majority of the like hero characters in action movies the past 35 years are all Han Solo knockoffs, you know, like, but like he, like he started that the, the original, like ironic, reluctant hero. That was him, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, excuse me. And, and one of the things I written down in my notes is that, uh, like all of Han's lines land, you know, his quips Mm. are excellent, but, like when do you get that in like a, a modern action comedy movie? You know what I mean? Like I remember watching that Snow White the Huntsman, <laughs> and it's like Chris Hemsworth I think has the the capability of of playing like one of those like Han knockoff characters, but like no no good lines, you know, yeah. no good nothing to to carry that weight, and you just you don't see that. It's like maybe a character will get a single good line, but like. And when they're in the Death Star, I mean, Han, everything coming out of Han's mouth. I mean, Harrison Ford is just doing amazing work in this film. Well, there's a such a different sensibility of the characters between this and, say, the prequels. You know, in Episode One, everyone's all like, "Oh, Milady," and like, there's like the Jedi Knights, or they're kind of like monkish, and like everyone in this is like snarky and ironic. You know, yeah. and like like everyone, um, even Obi Wan to some extent. You know, I mean, you have uh, a yeah. You have Princess Leia saying, get this big rocking carpet out of my way. Like, it's just like this diss, you know, like, it's like, it's very playful. Um, You know, they're not, they're not taking anything too seriously. Like, I'm not sure quite how you duplicate that in a Star Wars movie. I guess you just need a really good writer. Um, But I don't know. The characters are having a lot of fun. uh, And it it feels very, 
modern. I think that's part of what makes it feel so lived in is like these characters are behaving like we would imagine ourselves to behave, you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, like if this was realistic, there would be a lot of crying <laughs> and sitting in the corner and rocking yourself and panicking. But I mean, this is like a rollicking adventure through some pretty serious uh, incidents. Yeah. Um, and everything is is dirty and filthy and, and just kind of it's kind of like the uh, the hope. <laughs> well, you really see it a lot more in HD. Like I was watching this in HD. You really see it a lot more like some of the shots of the interior of the Falcon. Man, that thing just looks like a piece of shit, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, the 70s, like, you know. As as a decade aesthetically, it was a pretty ugly decade, and I feel mm-hmm. like uh the, like the right pieces of the seventies made its way into this movie. Yeah, yeah. And by that, of course, you mean the vest, the vest, the open shirts, yeah, the mm-hmm. uh, just the materials feel seventies ish, you know. Yeah, yeah. Like Luke's jacket at the end, that like cheesy jacket that he's wearing for the medal ceremony. Yeah. I like that that she's empowered to to award them and give them medal. I would think that she would no longer be a princess. Yeah, she's one Wouldn't, of the leaders of the rebellion. But isn't her kingdom now gone? <laughs> that doesn't. You know, matter. Like she wasn't. She wasn't princess of the rebellion. But she was never a true princess. Anyway, so that's that's true. <laughs> she's and, adopted. And, 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 it doesn't totally make sense why they call her Princess Leia because, as far as I know, Alderaan didn't have royalty. Could be wrong on that, but. Um, they had turtlenecks. Yeah. yeah. Um, they had Jimmy Smith. Who knows what they were? Really... But yeah, like, uh, um, obviously, we've learned from the prequels that, that royal titles are kind of thrown about <laughs> haphazardly. Yeah. But for all we know, that maybe she her, she lost her princess title the moment she hit puberty. Yeah. Well, I mean, but this is a kind of a very early example of like subverting tropes. Like, she's a princess, but she's obviously not. You know, she's not cowering in a castle or anything like that, you know? Um, no, she's tough. Yeah. And she's kind of like, like when her scenes are kind of like, this is like the big kids talking type of scenes, you know? Or like Luke yeah. and Han are just like these idiots who rescued her, but like she's got to take control, you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, and point <laughs> Han is just like, if we could avoid any more female advice. <laughs> I mean, this is a very 70s movie. Yeah. But it, like, um, what one thing I like about it is that all the characters in this, they're in conflict like the whole time. Like everybody comes into each scene with like their own motivations. Yeah. And uh, like there, there, there's never a moment in this movie where you're like, oh, they just did that because it's in the script. I hate it when movies do that. You know, when it's like, hey, this character seems to be acting against type, but I guess it's just to move the plot along type of deal. You know. Yeah. But yeah, this is. I mean, this is a script that should definitely be taught. I mean, mm-hmm. this and and especially Empire should well, be... Well, apparently uh, uh, Michael Arndt does teach this script and like little talks that he does, so I suppose that's a good sign. Although it's one thing to teach, it's another to duplicate. Yeah, yeah, true. True. Well, and as you've learned, like, uh, people can teach the wrong lessons from a source material. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But... I would still say though I'm much different than you. This is not my number two of the of the six movies. This is mm-hmm. actually competing for my number four or five. Mm, interesting. Yeah, I don't know. You got the great opening shot of the gigantic star destroyer. 
nice iconic shot. Um, I feel well, like if there's, quick, mm-hmm, go ahead. I, I, I don't want to step on the touch, but I just want to say real quick, so much of this movie and like the future of cinema and this story is set up so simply in that opening crawl. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are particularly two sentences, like three paragraphs. There's two sentences in particular. It is a period of civil war. Rebel spaceships striking from a hidden base have won their first victory against the Galactic Empire. I mean, he has set up his universe, his massive universe, so perfectly in those two sentences. Hmm. And then, yeah, you get that giant fucking spaceship. Sorry. Well, I was just going to say, I think there's something about the visuals in this movie. Um, they're not too cluttered. Uh, and I think that's one thing where it's like when Lucas is making the prequels, he's thinking, I want to make this really look like an alien city. You know, or like a city on another planet. And it's like sometimes you yeah. can overdo it. Um, like there, a lot of this stuff is just very stark. You know, there's like not much on the horizon except a few things. And it, it feels right for a movie, you know? Yeah. I got the best uh, shots of uh, Mos Eisley are not the special edition stuff, but like the stuff where it's just like them like going to the ship, you know, going to the Falcon and whatnot, where it that those are all just like sets and actors, you know? Well, and and I like that it everything kind of, you know, I mean, like you can you can look at your where you live and you can go down the street and there's a completely different style house or whatever. But there is a general like you're part of North America or whatever yeah. aesthetic that that ties them together, and that you get that a lot in Tatooine. A lot of that stuff. Well, the, the same, same thing for the the Death Star. The framing, like you don't need to show wide shots with a ton of shit happening in every in every shot. You know, like. You yeah. can, you can, you know, you, you don't want to see that. You want to focus on your characters. So you just kind of, you know, scale it down a little. And I think that that works. Like, I never felt like I was just watching like a, you know, a soundstage on like the Death Star, for instance. Like the Death Star felt big, but I didn't need to see massiveness constantly. You know, it's like you see the hangar and that's all, you know, that's it. Everything else is hallways. They always, they always show you just like the edge of a, of a weird industrial chasm mm-hmm. on every hallway. Yeah. You never, you never like glimpse down, like, well, Jesus Christ, what's down there? I mean, you don't really see that, I think, until, you know, Luke falls down one in the, in the following yeah. movie and the Empire, and the Emperor falls down one in the following movie. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that giant fucking spaceship, which just keeps, it just going. keeps going. Yeah. What a, what a simplistic, but great, like, just grab of your yeah. attention. And of course, in the theater, obviously, this is like one of the first times they'd really played around at the sound a lot. So it was, from what I've heard, not having been there, not being alive yet, it's extremely impressive the way it kind of really sounded like it was coming from behind you. Yeah, I mean, and obviously if you and I were old writers in our 40s, we would have put out many nonfiction book collections of essays about the first time we watched New Hope and mm-hmm. got hand jobs from Pretty Girls of Freckles. In the I like how they're... Uh... They're like uh, blaster fights. Like it just it devolves into like a lot of smoke everywhere. You know, <laughs> like it's just a ton of smoke comes on screen from all like the stuff they're shooting at. And... Yeah. Um, I love how they're also like no one's a particularly good shot with a blaster in this movie. No, not at all. <laughs> not at all. I mean, especially the stuff in the Death Star. I mean, those shots are just going incredibly wild. Like it's not I was just the stormtroopers. Like, it should be a lot easier yeah. to hit some of these guys. <laughs> Like, is there a lot of recoil on a blaster? Maybe. Like, because it's not just the stormtroopers. Like, Luke and Han, they barely hit shit either. Yeah, yeah. Um, I especially like the, uh, once the stormtroopers have gone on to, uh, 
the uh, the ship, the the Captain Antilles' ship. You have that bizarre scene. Like it seems bizarre now from like a modern sensibility. It's great when you're a kid. Where C three PO and R two D two walk across that hallway. Oh yeah, it's like completely made of like laser blast. <laughs> it's you know from like, well, that's like a side. classic Star Wars moment. They do that in like every single Star Wars movie. But I mean, like it is such a it's such a nice metaphor for these two characters and their role in these films. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Just things are flying wildly past them, and they're just kind of doing their goofy little walks. Well, the, the droids are this is probably their best movie i mean they're excellent in this movie i remember i saw the, the special editions in the theater and the audience was just eating them up like every time like 3po is like legitimately funny he's not like super super prissy like he he gets in late in the later star wars movies you know i would i would say that maybe um the only other movie that you could say is is excuse me exceptionally winning for both of them is empire Mm-hmm. Because I think you really start to feel for C three PO as a character, and, and when he finally, because um, you know he's not really uh, ingratiated into like the Han and Chewie uh, yeah. dynamic in this movie, but by Empire he definitely is. Which well, the way he talking. like like slaps R two on the on the dome when R two is like not answering his questions and he's like insulting him, and and then yeah. like he'll say like watch your language to R two, you know, it's like R two is like swearing at him or something. Like I don't know, the, yeah. the droids are a lot of fun in this movie. Yeah, they are. Well, I mean, and and this is the movie that reminds you that they're kind of the stars of the whole thing. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. know? What message? The one you've just been playing. The one you're carrying around inside your rusty innards. <laughs> like, you just, like, other than Empire, I don't think you get quite that level of uh, uh, just interplay between the two. You know, it's, it's more like a caricature of it. Yeah, yeah. Um,. I've never seen Hidden Fortress, but I, I just don't need to because I think <laughs> I think they they convey everything that I need to know from those those that movie. Um, all right, so then you know you've got the introduction of Darth Vader. Yes, he uh, shows up, looks badass. I I like that all the stormtroopers had like this like white armor, weird face yeah. mask look, and then Darth Vader shows up and he's in black and he has an even more like impressive mask, and so it's like you know he's like the you know, you know, he's the real bad guy. Like it's perfect visual just, design. You know, they their their masks are so just not what you would assume that Hollywood would normally go for. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and yeah, the the bad guys like the 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 quote unquote stormtroopers. You know, to to pile another evil empire slash mm-hmm. like like you know Third Reich metaphor on there, wear white. They wear yeah. like all white. And well, all the. Pie, all the visual design in this movie is really excellent. I mean, they they yeah. nail it completely, like front to back. Well, going back real quick, I was I was we've talked about it before in this podcast, but I went back and I caught a YouTube clip of uh, them cutting Ewan McGregor's hair for Phantom mm-hmm. Menace, and uh, as they're doing it, they, it's slightly different before what you actually see in the movie. But uh, George Lucas is telling Ewan McGregor because Ewan McGregor's just submitting himself completely to like the, the shears there. Mm-hmm. He's like, what a lot of people make the mistake of is they go too far. They try to be too <laughs> weird. Yeah, and the trick is just to, to show you enough that it's like a lived-in universe, but that it's, you know, recognizable. It's not going to alienate the audience. They can get behind the strangeness. That's um, true. That's true, George. Is, yeah. Yeah. And he would know. <laughs> yeah. He's like, um, it'll allow me to demonstrate that for you. It's, Behold, it's the plenty. Gungans. Yeah. <laughs> um, I love that first time you see Leia. That's like such a an amazing like just visual shot well they they replay it over and over again the the whole turning around and then hunching over you know you get that in her message nice nice iconic shot yeah yeah 
Um, and then the next thing in my notes is when the, the stormtroopers, I love this moment. Like some of these moments I just had to like, it had to be now that I had to watch this movie and appreciate them more than I ever did before. They're looking for, they think they see her. The one guy specifically says like, set your thing for stun. Yeah. And, and then she, she just shoots him. him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She just takes that guy out. I mean, she's probably got the highest body count of anyone I in this was, movie. Yeah, probably. I was, well, I guess Luke, uh, he technically kills, like, you know, probably millions of people um, in the Death Star. I always wondered, you know, when they did the special editions of these, I was like, are they going to fix the stun blast? Because, God, it really looks bad. Uh, but they yeah. don't. They leave the stun blast alone. No. And I don't think you ever really see that again in these movies. Do I you? was surprised that they never brought in the stun, you know, stun settings into any of the prequels. Um, it's definitely like in the books a lot, like, you know, they'll set, you know, they'll use stun. Uh, it's, it's all described as like a, like an arc of uh blue lightning or something like it's, it, it sounds a lot better by the way they describe it in the books and like these cheesy circles, you know? Well, like in the movie, I think it looks like what you assume, uh, uh, Havoc's powers look like in the mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah. Some of these shots, it's just all black and white. Except for like Princess Leia's face, you know, uh, just like yeah. really good contrast with stormtroopers. Yeah. Um, um, so then they fire off a life pod to Tatooine. Um. So yeah. Anyways, this is your first like you, you know, when you when you watch the prequels again, which we're kind of taking that journey here. Y- your first view of what old Anakin looks like twenty years later. He's probably thirty, late thirties now uh, he would be uh like 42 ish i think okay um what i love is that is that they've caught princess leia y- you kind of get a little bit of what the bureaucratic mess is in, in the empire and his line there will be no one to stop us now <laughs> it's almost like darth vader is this like like the last good cop and he's just like trying to cut through the red tape of the system you know and it's like i always feel like it's like He's like, he's caught the rebels, and then, like, somebody comes back, and they're like, Darth Vader, you didn't have a warrant. Ah! Well, it is kind of funny that uh, he's, like, he seems to answer to Tarkin. It's like, when did that happen? Like, when did the Emperor sit him down and be like, look, uh, you know, you're cool and all, but there is this guy who he's going to be handling things, and you're going to want to have to run stuff by him. He is, is, you know, going to be over you, hierarchically. (laughs) Yeah, it seems so odd, especially since if you could read into that last shot of uh, Revenge of the Sith, it's kind of like uh, they dismiss, dismiss Tarkin, you know? It does As seem Palpatine like they should have worked Vader him. Look over the Empire. It does seem like they should have tried to work in Tarkin a little more in the prequels. Um, well, especially especially the bent they took on the prequels to then mm-hmm. come to this movie and find that <laughs> Darth Vader apparently... Takes his orders from Tarkin, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I kind of. After he made episode three, if George Lucas had come back and said that he was going to remake episode four <laughs> and just four, I wouldn't have had a problem. Mm, I don't know about you know, that. Uh, because I don't know. Like, I, I feel like some of the some of the story stuff still doesn't quite. I don't know. Mesh. We'll, we'll get into that more as, as we keep talking. Well, I feel like if it doesn't mesh, then the the blame rise, lies with the prequels, not with the original trilogy. Because it's not like he didn't True. know where he's going. True. Um, but yeah, you get the scenes with the droids on Tatooine, uh, Jawas capturing R2. Um, Jawas are like a great example of how you can have like an alienish race 
uh, on mm. the cheap, you know, you just hire a bunch mm. of midgets and children and put them in cloaks where you can't see anything. But they're, you know, they're, they're, they're still kind of cute in their own little way, little sounds they make, the way they're, the fact that they're short and they hop around. They're really like, like sinister little hooded drewer well, precursors to the Ewoks. Yeah, but they're iconic and just like, you, you see them, you immediately recognize them. They don't need like a lot of like weird appendages or anything like that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Big floppy ears. And, and yeah, you don't see. It's funny that you have these two primary, like, like, uh, band of roving races in the wilds of Tatooine, but you never see their faces. Mm-hmm. I always presume that the, uh, the Tuscan Raiders are, like, super ugly or something. Yeah. I don't know. I'm sure this is one of the things that, like, as a filmmaker, you're like, oh, I wish I didn't have to resort to these cheap tricks, you know, yeah. because the makeup's not good enough. But it's, sometimes that's a good thing, you know? Yeah. Sometimes well, that makes and- you do your best work. And people will will make that same comment about the uh, uh, the creature of Hoth, an empire. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, real quick, uh, where was the line? Uh, we seem to be made to suffer. <laughs> it's our lot in life. Yes. Oh, also the when they come across the like bones of like the giant like sandworm thing was that in the original yeah. version? Was yeah, that, that's that the crate dragon. Yeah, that's in the original. Okay, okay. I just, in my notes, I just have written down the spice must flow <laughs> once I saw that. Uh, I like when they, uh, and they get into the, the sand crawler and you see all like the various droids in there. One of them is like literally a trash can with feet. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I have walking trash can terrible. droids. Yeah. There's so many droids in that scene. Like it's like a dungeon of forgotten like toys. Mm-hmm. Well, that like kind of became like the hallmark of like, uh, this movie is that and like the cantina scene. You know, it's like, mm. You work in all these really interesting ideas without making them like central to the story, which I think is kind of the the idea. Like one note I wrote down is like maybe there were too many non-human characters in the prequels, and while it may make sense in a realistic universe to have that, as far as like audiences that are human watching your movie, you know, they're they're probably going to identify more with the human characters. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so then you have the, the, like, Jawa garage sale. And some of those droids look pretty fucking useless. Yeah, I know. Like, there's the like one the big weird where, like, dome thing. Where there's, like, that little, like, spider-ish one. Mm-hmm. It looks like, it's like, like a kid's, like, science project. I like that they bring their little, like, Jawa garage sale, like, right to your establishment, like, right, right to your home. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, and then you get your introduction to Luke Skywalker, intergalactic white trash. Yeah, it takes uh, about 17 and a half minutes for Luke to show up in this movie. It's not bad. Yeah. And I like the way they, when he first appears, he's immediately like, called away. Uh, and so it's, there's no, like, hero shot of, like, you know, like, oh, this is Luke, you know? It's like he's just, yeah. he's there in the background, then he runs away. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you don't re- you don't really, I think, perceive Luke as how you, you ultimately, history will perceive him until mm-hmm. the end of Empire. You know, and even then, really, it's when he puts on the black outfit and <laughs> Jedi. Um, well, one thing I liked about this movie is that there's like all these like like little cons and like deceits going on, like between all the characters. Like three yeah. uh, PO basically like talks his way into a job here. Like later on, like three PO like talks his way away from the stormtroopers on the Death Star. Like yeah. Luke is like trying to trick Han into helping him. Like Han's trying to you know con them to get money like everyone is like kind Obi-Wan's of manipulating. To con everybody yeah. yeah obi-wan's definitely doing his own con uh 
you know, Leia has her own motivations. I just, I like the way so much of the uh, plot points are happening around these little, like, games are playing with each other to, to get what they want. They just say, uh, but I was in good Tashi Station to pick up some power converters. You can waste times with your friends when your chores are done. I just, yeah, like, uh, hearing C-3PO talk and, like, just the way he immediately starts, like, kissing Luke's ass. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I really want to see, like, a Downton Abbey or, like, Upstairs, Downstairs, like, set in the Star Wars universe. Well, and just the droids as characters are so weird because they're, you know, they're, like, owned by other people, but, like, autonomous at the same time, you know? Yeah. Like, it's not like they, uh, I mean, they have restraining bolts and whatnot, so there's certain things they can't do, but otherwise they're, like, it's like they're free to like talk shit if they want, you know, yeah, um, yeah. and they they don't just because it's like their job. Uh, it's just yeah. always like a funny dynamic to me about the droids. Well, it's so interesting though because they clearly have emotions yeah, of some kind and empathy. <laughs> and it's, when you think about the journey of the the robot character, like the non-human character, over the course of cinema, like just like the fucking like convoluted shit with like Commander Lieutenant Commander Data mm-hmm. and his emotions. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's like so blatantly right here without any kind of uh, like predisposed concerns over like achieving humanity. You know, the droids don't want to be human. It's probably the last thing they want to be. They're having fun being robots sometimes. You could say that at times they're kind of like the Greek chorus, you know, where they just kind of comment on what's going on. Always getting drug along. Yeah. I mean, they definitely Uh, fit in more here than like the way they're introduced and say like the Phantom Menace, you know. Yeah, yeah, which is which is so awkward and clumsy, yeah. especially R two in that. <laughs> yeah, introduced to the queen. Yeah, yeah. Um, so Luke's cleaning the droids, and then the message starts playing, and Luke thinks to himself, "Oh, good, a pornography droid." <laughs> <laughs> I like how Luke is—he's uh, playing around with a little model of a T sixteen Skyhopper. Such yeah. a dorky thing to do. Yeah. Um. And what's funny too is like, shouldn't once the message started playing, shouldn't C-3PO like recognize the princess like immediately? Like, he was talking about her in like the first scene of the movie. Well, he's not much more than an interpreter and not very good at telling stories. Yeah, apparently, he's like, oh, <laughs> which is like a good way to be like, no, we're not gonna like exposition here too much, you know? Yeah, he's just like, uh, she was on our ship. I think she's important. Mm-hmm. I don't know. What do you want to hear, kid? As he takes um, an oil like bath. That. Obi-Wan Kenobi is always other, otherwise referred to as Old Ben Kenobi. I don't think they ever just say Ben Kenobi. It's always Old Ben Kenobi. At one point they do say Ben Kenobi, but yeah. Okay. I wonder if they mean Old Ben. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which is funny because I think uh, uh, Obi-Wan refers to everyone as young in this movie. <laughs> my little friend, my young friend. He's, uh, it's interesting. Um, the Uncle Owen also does a nice job of like lying to Luke about like his father and telling him to forget about it. You know, I mean, yeah. I guess well, Luke Luke has had to know, right? Like he had to know that Darth Vader is going to be his father. You'd hope so. I mean, we'll talk about that more during the actual fight between those two guys. But you would certainly. Well, I mean. I, I wonder if maybe he didn't have things like titles necessarily worked out because it seems again we'll get this a lot more of the, the actual fight at the end of this movie but uh, the way that uh, Obi Wan keeps referring to him as Darth you know it seems odd anyway um, but yeah like like Owen and Brew or especially Owen is is 
doing almost everything he can to like drive away Luke, even though he's trying to keep Luke around, keep him safe. Mm-hmm. Um, they throw a lot of those perfect cinematic, like not too blatant, knowing glances at each other mm-hmm. yeah. during that conversation. It's just understated enough. Well, it's a very classic idea of the. You know, you want to go out and do something, but, you know, your dad or your father figure or whatever won't let you, you know? Yeah. Well, and then, and then the, your first introduction as an audience to know what you should be watching out for is, is, you know, oh, I wonder if they mean old Ben Kenobi. And then Owen immediately responds with, that wizard's just a crazy old man. <laughs> like, it's supposed to be like, it, yeah. yeah, don't worry about him. He's crazy. But it's like, he's, he's also a wizard, apparently. <laughs> um, also, there's a moisture harvest. Yeah, yeah, you gotta harvest that moisture. It's like a specific time of the year when they they harvest the moisture. Well, no, it's good is uh, they don't need to explain it any further than that, you know. Yeah, it's a, it, they're farmers. There's a har- harvest, obviously. There's always yeah. a harvest. They're just harvesting moisture. <laughs> you got the the classic shot with the uh, the two sun setting that everyone likes to point out, as you know. Binary sunset, yeah. Quintessential Star Wars, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's it's one of those things that told a whole generation that your your stupid little feelings are important. Mm-hmm. Go stare at the sunset and, and think your deep thoughts. So R2 escapes. They go hunt him down. And uh, Luke is just like an idiot. He's like, oh, sand people, let's check it out. And like yeah. grabs his like, he has like a rifle, which you could only assume is like the like hick version of a blaster, you know? Yeah, it's like yeah. this giant ass thing. It's like probably like good for like shooting rats or something. Uh, and he gets taken out pretty quickly, but then Obi Wan shows up and does his uh, the the yell he does is supposed to be the sound of a crate dragon. They they edited this in uh, the special edition. It's different in the special edition than it is in the original. Mm. It's like mm. louder and more weird. Yeah, it's definitely louder and more weird. Um. I think that thing that he's using, I want to say it's the same gun that the Tuscan Raiders were firing at the pod race. In yeah, Vegas. yeah, it's like this big-ass long rifle. <laughs> they're, they're cheering as they fired it off. Mm-hmm. Thing. Um, yeah, rural, rural tattooing is such a deadly shithole. <laughs> uh, but the, the shot where the Tuscan Raider pops up in front of like Luke's binoculars, that's so cool. That is so classic. Yeah. Um, and then you get the entrance of Obi-Wan Kenobi. Really let himself go. Yeah. I like how the Sand Raiders just start like looting his land speeder, you know? <laughs> They're just like tearing things off. Well it's land speeder that's like kind of shitty. Yeah, yeah. Well which he later complains about because the new models come mm-hmm. out and nobody cares about his old version. He's got like exposed like wiring on part of the one of the engines, you know. Yeah, but I mean at the same time though, when you first saw this movie, you're like, that thing's fucking cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that giant thing on the back, like where it shoots up in the back, yeah. Um, you have the quick, like quick momentary, like panic face from Obi Wan as Luke says, "Obi Wan Kenobi." Oh uh, yeah, that's that's one of my favorite lines in the in the movie. The Obi Wan Kenobi, Obi Wan. Now that's a name I've not heard in a long time. Uh, and it like it it feels so much better having seen the, pre- the prequels. You know, it's like. You really sense the 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 passage well, of time and the you know loss and regret and everything. The the first lie is the uh, I haven't been called that since before you were born. Well, I don't know. You can get technical there. Do you ever actually hear someone say Obi Wan to him after the <laughs> kids are born? 
I don't think that it's a matter of like everyone is ceasing to actually verbally say Obi Wan in, in at the end of yeah. Revenge well, of the Sith. I, I'm gonna just throw this out there. I it's feel not like a, you're, it's not a it's not a huge issue. I feel like you're I mad guess. at this movie for continuity errors that the prequels made. Uh, oh, I don't I'm not, think you I'm should not, hold I'm them accountable the for it at all. And again, I think there's quite a few of these little continuity errors that I have no problem with because of the but fact they're, that Alec Guinness's performance covers them. But they're not continuity errors so much as the prequels didn't do the correct job of lining up. Like this came first, so you can't say this is out of continuity. You know? No, I'm not. I'm not. And I'm not really complaining at all. Yeah. I'm just saying that it, the way it tacks out, and it, again, it's one of those things where. You know, the end of Revenge of the Sith is kind of probably all a blur for Obi-Wan. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, around that era, he stopped going by the name Obi-Wan Kenobi. It's not like he changed his last name. <laughs> yeah, it's close. So, I mean, what else? I mean, what is, is an expression that you would use when you're talking to somebody? I haven't done that since before you were born. I mean, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so C-3PO loses an arm. Yes. Well, and I, I like that you kind of see that these droids are very, uh, like, fungible, you know? I mean, you just wire them right back up with uh, like some, some screwdrivers and like wire strippers or something, you know? Yeah. And see that goes always falling apart. Um, so then you get from Obi-Wan that Owen didn't hold of Anakin's ideals. Yeah. It's a blatant lie. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, who knows? Maybe, maybe. He really well, the, the great thing about that, this whole scene is that Alec Guinness kind of looks like he's lying through the whole thing, you know? Yeah. Uh, so it, it matches up. It, in the beard, yeah. Mm-hmm. It matches up with like the continuity of mistakes that they made in the prequels. He's uh, Anakin is described as the best star pilot in the galaxy and a cunning warrior. And he was a good friend. Yeah. And then they whip out the fucking laser swords. So if you were a young boy watching this movie and you weren't already enticed, mm-hmm. now you're blown away. Which again, it seems kind of foolish to hand that over to a dumb hick farm boy. Yeah. starts waving it around immediately well you know in that scene again like everything is like it's like drab whites and beiges and whatnot except for 3po who's golden and then the blue lightsaber and like you know luke's flesh tone like i don't know the cinematography in this is kind of underrated i think um but well it, it, you see where obi-wan lives wouldn't you spend all your time at the bar too yeah <laughs> but then there's the line there's a lot of great. I mean, there's a, so many fucking great lines in this movie, or lines that have since become iconic. Taken well, every every bike. single line in this movie is iconic. I don't think there's a single snatch of dialogue you can True. say that somebody won't True. recognize. But there's a lot of things that specifically, like y- you could say that this line alone, to me, uh, justifies three prequel movies. And one of those lines is, "Before the dark times, before the empire," and you're just like, "What is that like?" I'm dying to see that. Um, and they use that a lot in the like prequel, you know, like trailers for films, for the films. Yeah, yeah, they definitely use that line a lot. Um, I like how uh, Luke's like whining about how he couldn't get the message to play and RT just starts playing it for Obi-Wan. He's like, I see yeah. you found it. <laughs> yeah. And I like how when the message is done, he just, he has this kind of weird look on his face as he turns to Luke and he's like, you must learn the ways of the Force for you to come with me. <laughs> Luke's yeah. just like, what? I'm not going. Well, it's like he, it's like he pauses for a second, and just like strokes the beard, and it's like he's probably you know run through scenarios that would fall in line with this like so many times in the past two decades, and now, mm-hmm. now he's like just aligning like which of you know which of like plans A through Z am I going to use? Okay. Well, this is this is why I'm really fascinated about the direction they go with through the the sequels, you know, episode seven and beyond because it's. 
you almost want them to kind of do not like a total rehash of this, but something where, you know, you've got your character who wants adventure. And then when he's like faced with the idea of it, suddenly he's reluctant and he kind of gets forced into it. You know, yeah. um, I guess it would be weird to start off a sequel where it's like, oh, it's like the Skywalker kid or the grandkid who lives in Coruscant, you know, and like has an awesome life because his dad or granddad's like a celebrity, you know, like it seems like how do you how do you recapture the kind of smallness of the the beginnings you know yeah well you kind of need to have a primary character who's plucked out of obscurity you know yeah yeah i I mean i don't know how you find like luke or leia's like illegitimate son or daughter you know (laughs) the only thing i think is you gotta like go forward into the future enough that like they're not big deals anymore you know yeah i mean i i almost would not be i would not be upset at all if it was like you know luke's great-grandson or great-grandson who maybe doesn't know he's a skywalker or something like that yeah um you know it's like no matter what they do in these these new movies like they're gonna piss off some yeah, some <laughs> legion of morons um so we're skipping over again there's so many good lines but we're skipping over two that are amazing here uh vader was seduced by the dark side of force and then we discover that the force is an energy force created by all living things. It surrounds us. It penetrates us. It binds the galaxy together. Much like duct tape, yes. Uh, help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi. You are my only hope. I do like the uh, the cutaway scenes with the Empire. Um, I like that they're, you know, it's like, oh, here's the bad guys. They're not, like, totally incompetent, you know? Like, yeah. some of, the, like, the cutaways to, like, the Separatist leaders, those guys all just seem like a bunch of fucking retards. Um but these guys, they, they, you know, they're kind of, like, arguing and, like, Vader's, like, choking a guy out and whatnot. But, like, Tarkin, like, he seems to, like, know what he's doing, you know? He's, like, the, like, the kind of gambit he puts Leia in to get information out of her is, like, pretty harsh. Yeah. Um, but it's like, effective. Harsh but effective. Like, like these guys aren't complete idiots. Um, you know, they, they're they the evil empire and, you know, a lot of times they're, like, a step ahead of the heroes and it's, like, just luck or determination that, well, you know, when, saves the when day. when he... We're skipping ahead a little bit, but when he does that, he's, you know, she's just like, you can't blast Alderaan. We have, we're a peaceful planet. We have no weapons. And he says... There, the way he says it is so perfect, though. Would you prefer to give us another target? A military target? I mean, he, he comes at her on her own terms, you know, mm-hmm. uh, of, I don't have to blow away your peaceful civilian planet. We can take out it like your militarized rebellion but um so anyways so luke is reluctant to join obi-wan um i love i love luke's line here the i hate the empire but there's nothing i can do about it right now mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> it's like he's just too busy to run off and join the rebellion well that's a uh, you know another kind of universal idea of you know you dislike some some larger social or governmental thing, but there's nothing you can do about it, you know? Um, but then, yeah. of course, well, because this is a movie, know, like, he gets to, you know? Lucas thinking, like, yeah, I'll save the universe, but just not right now. I've got a harvest coming up. I've got to harvest that slant moisture. moisture. And so, Obi-Wan is not deterred at all. He just says, you must do what you feel is right, of course. And he strokes his beard, that sly old fox. Yeah, the, um, uh, the scenes where Luke finds his, uh, his dead aunt and uncle, with the fucking like charred and smoking bodies, I remember I was I would always thought when I watched this as a kid, like, is that what happens when you get hit by a blaster? You know, like you would think, yeah, because those guys are fucked up. It's just like it's like a skeleton with a little bit of meat still hanging on, like smoking, like it's pretty a uh, hardcore scene for a uh, PG movie, you know? 
Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's like that whole bit is a great shot where it's like Luke in the foreground, kind of like arms out at his sides, like in frustration as the burning, you know, in the background. Uh, good it's, stuff. It's a very lighthearted movie for how much yeah. Luke loses over and there's, the course of it. You know what there is in this that's great? There's wind. Um, yeah. Uh, it's, it's. I feel like it's an overrated thing in movies these days to, to shoot on location and have wind, you know, like hair blowing in the breeze. Uh, it's like smoke goes off to one side. Like I don't know, that whole shot's like a really classic shot. I mean, obviously a lot of this is uh, inspired by the searchers, um, but yeah. but for good. Yeah. Um. So yeah, then we get that we get that you know for a lot of the shit talking that the prequels rightfully got about this. You cut to a meeting. <laughs> <laughs> um. The Senate's finally been dissolved after twenty years, so the last remnants of the old republic have been swept away. Uh. The military hierarchy here seemed to be pretty pretty ecstatic about it you know finally the well, last think about like, how message ec- of the republic is gone think about how economic that scene is like Tarkin just walks in and like lays it down you know yeah 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 well and I mean I don't know you don't really need to know you just need to know these like empire militarized folks but like you're kind of curious like who the fuck are these guys is this, is this like the admiralty of the uh, seemingly the like fleet? a couple of those guys have uh, grand admiral uniforms on so yeah um, another great line. Don't try to frighten us with your sorcerer's ways. <laughs> I love that guy. His voice is hilarious. He kind of reminds me of like Marvin the Martian. <laughs> uh, and somehow Tarkin has authority over Darth Vader. Yeah. I like the shot when Luke goes back to visit uh, Obi Wan after his, you know discovers Uncle Owen and Aunt Brew dead. That. 3PO is uh just like has like bodies of droids that he's been yeah. or not or a job was that he's picking or up. Jawas. Yeah, they're yeah. burning the jawas. And it's 3PO, it's not even <laughs> yeah. And he's kinda like he like shrugs and then just like tosses another body on the fire, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um and then Darth Vader tortures his daughter for information. Yes. With like a sinister looking needle. Yeah. And good weird. sound effects. The sound effects really make it, you know. Well, you know, like like that that floating I think it's called the mind probe. That floating black ball of death looks scary enough, mm-hmm. but the movie really appeals to an audience's fears by zooming in on the. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that needle. Nobody likes needles except for me. I think the needle would be the least like like thing to fear about the mind probe. Yeah, that's that's he's very smart about zooming in on that. Mm-hmm. Um. So, anyways. There's, there's twice now at this point in the movie where Obi-Wan talks about uh, Luke's feelings. And so I feel like Obi-Wan is obviously playing a very extremely like long game. I mean, he's willing to wait 20 years for these kids mm-hmm. to grow up and become become lethal. Um, but it's almost like, is he is he willing to let Owen and Baru die? Like, does he, <laughs> does he require, does he like plan for it? Is it something he foresees through the Force or just his own it's understanding just, how these things would work? It's the way of the Force. Um, that is one thing I hope they bring back in the sequels, the whole concept of the force is with you, you know, yeah. um, which to me, kind of, it's like not completely, but it's a little bit like you have luck today, you know? Um, yeah. Which is hokum. Yeah. But, yeah. um, I well, would the, like to but see, but this is in a universe where the force exists, you know? So, yeah, I would like to see like, a, a an exploration of, general usage of the force um without it being like weird dream sequences <laughs> you know just like like 
kind of like an exploration of like the weird like intuitions they get in flashes or what have you um, well you know it's interesting because the jedi in this in, in all this the original trilogy they're not like super overpowered and they're often in situations where their jedi powers are not any sort of solution to their problem you know yeah like just being a jedi by itself doesn't mean they can take down the death star you know like obi-wan being a jedi he still has to sneak around on the death star to like turn off the uh tractor beam you know um like, it's not just a lot of them taking on, like, you know, a hundred faceless enemies and, like, you know, deflecting lightsaber or deflecting, you know, blaster bolts here and there. Yeah. Well, and when you get to some stormtroopers later on, you yeah. kind of wonder if maybe some of those those droids would have been more effective in the prequels. In the special edition, there is uh, a shot right at, right at the beginning when they first get into Mos Eisley. Dash Rendar's Outrider, uh, Dash Rendar, the character from Shadows of the Empire. They they put huh. in his Outrider, which is like a Millennium Falcon knockoff, like taking off right as they uh, they come in. Oh, interesting. interesting. Yeah. Um. So then we get to the most icy spaceport, which you will never find a more wretched hive of scum and villainy. We must be cautious. Which you know you know obi-wan's got some excellent tales to tell about the 20 years mm-hmm. he spent drinking and whoring his way through tatooine you know i say i have the, the special edition hd here i feel like if you could go back and like split the difference between the special edition version of the intro and the original you'd have something like there's just a little too much in the special edition you know of trying to make it look like a big bustling city the uh my favorite moment, which I believe is is something from one of the various special editions, is there's I think it's the two droids, and the one is buzzing around the other, so the one just smacks it down to the ground. Yeah, yeah. Somewhere in somewhere in the most icy stuff. I love. I that. would I would cut that. Really? Yeah. Oh, well, some it of just, it. Some of it was like just these cute little things of droids and stuff, which does seem a little silly. Um. All right, so then, you know, there's Speeder gets to Mos Eisley. Obi-Wan uses the Force and the Stormtroopers. These aren't the droids you're looking for, which, you know, is probably bred into the DNA of mm-hmm. children born after the 80s. Yeah. Uh, they get to the cantina, and uh, Obi-Wan wisely says, watch your step. This place can be a little rough. Obi-Wan's a regular at the cantina. Well, and I like how it's like, oh, all the good fighter pilots hang, or all the good, you know, spacers hang out here, you know, like. Yeah. And it kind of makes sense. Like it just all the the story logic in this makes a ton of sense without having to bring in a lot of like knowledge of the EU or anything like that. You know. Yeah. Uh, they don't serve droids at the bar. Yeah. Um. Also, yeah, the, Luke is Luke is such a bumpkin that he doesn't yeah. realize that maybe you don't signal the bartender by grabbing his shirt and tugging on it. Exactly. And that's, that's like a very modern thing, you know, it's like the rules still apply in this different galaxy. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then like the, the two guys next to him kind of try to pick a fight with him. He doesn't like you. I don't like you either. And then Obi-Wan tries to like settle it down with the guys not having it. So he like cuts his arm off. But it's, it's important for all the people who freak out about this kind of thing. They're very careful to make sure you know that this dude drew his gun. <laughs> you know, like in, uh, in, in Attack of the Clones. Well, Attack of the Clones, she did draw her gun on Obi-Wan. Yeah. But I, it's it's not like Obi-Wan just went and chopped this guy's arm off just to, just to calm it down. Yeah. The guy draws his gun first and Obi-Wan takes it off. It was deserved. 
Mm-hmm. And I like how it's like the music stops momentarily, but then just starts again. You know, very yeah. uh, everything here is very old Western, you know. Well, as we'll learn, there's a body count in this bar. <laughs> yeah. Sorry about the mess. <laughs> and then you get Han Solo. You get Han Solo. He's just instantly awesome. Fast ship. You've never heard of the Millennium Falcon? When he says that it made the Kessel Run in less than 12 parsecs, uh, Alec Ennis has a really good look on his face. It's very, like, nonplussed, you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then and then my... Probably my favorite line from Alec Ennis and Obi-Wan in this movie is, only passengers, myself, the boy, two droids, and no questions asked. And then Han is just like, well, that's the real trick, isn't it? It's going to cost you something extra. Like, just the way that they're all trying to work each other, you know? Yeah. Um, and well, Luke is like, you know, 10,000. We can almost buy our own ship for that much. And Han's <laughs> just like, well, who's going to fly it? You? Like, that's just that kind of interplay. Like, it just, it feels so natural, you know? Uh, I just, okay, so imagine, like, the, uh, the joint casting call between, uh, this movie and Carrie. Just imagine William Cat playing this role. It would have been terrible. <laughs> yeah. Same thing for Sissy Spacek as Leia. You know, it just would have been atrocious. Well, this is, I think, really a lot of people point to Indiana Jones, but I think this is a Harrison Ford's iconic role. Like he's like inventing a whole class of action hero in this movie. Yeah, he really is. Um, and you can tell that Han is desperate, even before you see Greedo, and even before you see Jabba. And I think the Jabba scene is kind of not necessary because it's all yeah. covered in the Greedo scene, but. Uh, you can tell the Han is desperate because the deal that he takes is shitty. Yeah, it's very much like trust me type of deal, you know. Two grand down. Well, it's all about like tempting him with the idea of more money coming, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it's a. You would think that he would have been burned by deals like <laughs> this in the past, yeah, you know. No. I like the scene when uh, he shoots Greedo where he kind of raises his left hand and like fiddles with the wall behind him while, you know, uh, getting yeah. his gun ready with He's his other hand. completely drawing Greedo's attention away. Mm-hmm. And yet it's, it's, it's so written over in the, the scene with the line over my dead body. That's the um, idea. Now, again, I respect George Lucas's right to come up with a version that he's happy with, a final version that he's happy with. My only real complaint about all this stuff, although I would prefer, of course, that Han, Han shot first, is that in the special editions, when they both shoot at the same time, it looks silly. It does look silly. Uh, contrary it doesn't look like either one of them is like shooting at each other. Contrary to the title of this podcast, I think we all agree that Greta, or that uh, Han should shoot first. Um, yeah. It was just like just badass like he liked the idea that he was like kind of cold like that you know yeah like yeah. like it's an old western type thing it's like this is the this is the world he lives in you know like people try to kill him every once in a while yeah i mean you want your your han character to not be an idiot mm-hmm. of course he's gonna murder this guy because that's the only way he's gonna survive um but so then he gets up he just he tosses a coin at the bartender he says sorry about the mess pimp move mm-hmm sorry about the mess yeah. i love the uh the scene where the stormtroopers are like searching through most icely they get to a door it's locked and so the, the stormtroopers like door is locked move on to the next one it's like really that doesn't seem like a very effective search well, method to also me. he just kind of like knocks on the door a few times that's how he ascertains that it's locked so you guys aren't trying too hard are you yeah the job scene's pretty bad that's there's a reason they cut it to begin with i feel like yeah Lucas just kind of got obsessed with the idea of putting Jabba in this movie, so he forced yeah. it in there. 
Well, I mean, I, I felt and then, like fucking Boba Fett and just like wandering around staring at the camera like, hey, yeah, guys, he, it's like, me, Boba Fett. You know, he lingers to get his screen time. Yeah, yeah. I, I felt like, you know, when they went back and they put these out again, for this, the, the in uh, in theater special editions, it was almost like he wanted like an extra hook, you know, mm-hmm. to bring people in besides the upgraded special effects. <laughs> like how when they see the ship, Lucas just like immediately like, what a piece of junk. <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't know, it's just something you don't get in the prequels at all. It's like just people like kind of like insulting each other like that, you know? Yeah, yeah. You came in that thing, you're braver than I thought. <laughs> One of the many, uh, you know, Star Wars lines that can be taken in a sexual manner. Yeah. Um, I love that when C-3PO boards, he says hello, sir, to Han. And Han just kind of like slyly shakes his head in disgust. He like grimaces and rolls his eyes, you know. <laughs> and then as, they, as they're leaving orbit and there's all these uh, Imperial Star Destroyers, Han goes a lot of effort to like lecture Luke <laughs> on his job as a pilot. Yeah, some exposition happening there, but uh, it's pretty effective. I want to say that that was the scene, the getting the coordinates from the nav computer is the scene that I remember reading about where uh, Harrison Ford just like had a little mini breakdown on the set. <laughs> that was the, uh, the, you, you can write this shit. shit. Yeah. yeah, but you sure can't say it. Yeah. yeah. And then you have the classic going to light speed scene. Yeah. Oh, and just, you know, like the modern era of science fiction was born. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, and Alderaan blows up. Um, I don't know. Good scene. They for the special edition they added in a little like a uh, like wave, you know, coming mm-hmm. out of it. But other than that, same thing. I I like the wave, but I don't really like the effect. Um, everything everything else about the effect. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, it's literally just like exploded something and filmed it. You know, <laughs> doesn't yeah, exactly. probably not what a planet would look like exploding, but whatever. You know. Well, I mean, it is it's fascinating too because you get all those interesting shots of like whatever the weapon control room looks like mm-hmm. and then you got those like two guys in the shaft like, what are those guys just, like, doing lean. yeah well they just kind of like lean out of the way as this giant power blast like shoots past them it's like, like there'd be that some, would, like, burn them some yeah. sort of like radiation or something you know yeah um yeah then you have the little jedi leia, training sequence leia sounds like a little bit of a separatist in her her stuff of tarkin uh the more you do whatever, the mm-hmm. that's the more, like, more starts to yeah. fall away. Um, so Tarkin's a tough motherfucker. <laughs> I love the idea of uh, Chewie playing like essentially like chess with R two, uh, like the idea that you would like play against like a droid like that, you know? Yeah, and lose. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's but, just a new strategy. Let the Wookiee win. The idea that like it isn't like a foregone conclusion, you know? Yeah. Um, mm. hokey religions and ancient weapons. No match for a good blaster at your side. I just—it seems like something we were talking about earlier. Like Luke's Jedi training gets off to a very slow start. Yeah, he just blocks a few things essentially. Yeah, but I, I think uh, the movies are better for it. Um, yeah. Um, and then again, uh, Obi Wan advises Luke to stretch out of his feelings. It's almost like he's kind of teasing the dark side a little bit to Luke just to get him get him in the door get him I wouldn't say season the dark side it's being a Jedi is being you know mindful of your feelings and feeling True. more than, than thinking you know uh, but but 
in the prequels, it's a lot more of thinking rather than just feeling. In the, the, the Sith are very much about following your passion. Um, and as Obi-Wan stresses Anakin, come back to your senses. Yeah. Um, but you've taken a first step into a larger world. Yeah, yeah the, uh, you know, that's no moon, it's a space station. Another yeah. classic line. Luke gets um, to say the, uh, I have a very bad feeling about this. And then you see the motherfucking Death Star. Cool scene with them entering the uh, hangar. You kind of get an idea of the scope without too much, you know? Like, mm. they didn't have to really go overboard to give you the idea that this place is huge. Um, well, you, the uh, person in charge of recovering the plans and the droids loses them. Yeah, but somehow they magically come back to them. Everything is coming up, Vader. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, just love, I love smuggler. the... I love the... I sense something. A presence I have not felt since... It's like Vader just like... He like starts to sense and he just like walks off. It's like, he's got to go think about it, you know? These guys must love working for him, though. He's going to go and like put some... Uh, some like the Smiths on or something, you know? And just like brood for a while. Exactly, yeah wine and you know blame it on somebody else for a while mm. i love the whole bit where uh they like kill the sense sensor crew that comes up onto the ship and then han's just like could you give us a hand you know to like get the stormtroopers to come up to help out like it's all like this very kind of like classic like old tricks in the book type of thing you know it's like there there are not any like insane mind games going on there it's very simple kind of like you know see to your pants uh you know, operating that, that Han and Luke are doing here. Well, it, it's such a classic thing from, I feel like you wouldn't see this in movies anymore where, you know, exactly what they're doing and it all happens off screen. Mm -hmm. You never need to see it. You, you know what's going on and it's, it's perfect. Um, and like a, like a modern movie, like you would see them trying to like sabotage these guys and lure them into a trap and it'd be just like clunky thing. They managed to handle it all. Like with the camera pointing at the ramp, you know, it's, it's mm -hmm. perfect. And then you have, uh, as soon as uh, Obi-Wan takes off, <laughs> Chewie set, like, growls, and then Han's just like, boy, you said it, Chewie. Where did you dig up that old fossil? Yeah, it's like he's just, like, dying to talk shit about Obi-Wan. <laughs> yeah, it's like they can't wait to, like, oh, fine, that guy's gone, you can talk shit about him, you know? Yeah. Um, what was I gonna oh, so a couple of lines that I, I have to highlight is the, uh, who's more foolish, the fool or the fool who follows him? Di space operas have wacky dialogue mm -hmm. I'm just going to say um, securing a Death Star is pretty shitty it seems like well but it, it kind of makes you think like what would the security on the Death Star be like would they be on like lockdown mode constantly they'd probably just be doing whatever you know yeah I guess so yeah um, you got like a million people or something loaded on that thing so then uh, like Obi-Wan's line is very I don't know like I feel like Luke's like he missed a a buzz point there is the your destiny lies on a different path than mine. That's heavy. Yeah, Luke's That's not heavy. really paying attention to that. Yeah, no, the force will be with you always. Um, yeah, but Harrison Ford is just amazing in this movie. I mean, and he really starts to shine here in the Death Star when you put him under a little bit of pressure. Um, he says, "I found her," and keeps repeating, "She's here." Yeah, I like how then Luke has to be like, "She's rich." <laughs> it's like <laughs> you he has to, to like trick him into helping out. Yeah. Yeah. So you cut to Darth Vader still just like wandering the halls, like sensing things. I like how he eventually just has to go to Tarkin to tell him, you know? 
Yeah. Yeah, but like what the hell? You know what I mean? Like this is this isn't the Darth Vader that, that that you want it to be. I mean, I guess, you know I mean I would I would say that even Empire though kind of contradicts this though. Well, I guess you would say that Tarkin was like kind of like the true kind of political and like power wise, like right hand man to to the Emperor. And that when Palpatine dies and Darth Vader kind of takes over as being in charge of the military. Or Tarkin dies, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's, I mean, yeah, it seems like, uh, like, yeah, Tarkin's like number two and Anakin's number three. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, where are you taking this thing? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like a kind of a classic prison break move where you pretend to bring the prisoner in, you know? Yeah. I like yeah. that they're facing the wrong way when the doors open. It's just a good little bit. I like the idea that they just have elevators that they have to wait for in the Death Star, you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, a lot of just like they're 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 walking down hallways, and there's just like like over like a tiny little rail, it's like a massive chasm <laughs> that anyone could fall to their death in. Um, you don't know why it's designed like that. Where it would have massive chasms or just like simple little rails that protect you from them. And then, it's- of course, you get the classic: "We're fine. We're all fine now." How, How are, are you? you? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, oh, negative, God. negative. We have a, a large, large leak, a large coolant leak. Uh, very dangerous. <laughs> Boring conversation, anyway. <laughs> he shoots the display. Or the well, that's why we love Han Solo. You know, yeah, exactly. He shoots. Like if you weren't loving this movie by then, it's like it, it's it's all invigorated right here. You love it. Um, so yeah, these guys have found themselves in some pretty serious shit, but they're still they're still quipping. Well, yeah, it's like it's kind of like every you know it's like they have these like cockamamie plans that like keep getting more and more they have to keep revising them because they keep not working you know yeah now again obviously there's no doubt that a lot of young boys lost their conceptual virginity uh with the gold bikini mm-hmm. in return of the jedi but i would put forth that the moment that luke opens up that cell and she's kind of like laying there come yeah together, she's pretty hot aren't there. you a little short for a stormtrooper like there's there's some conceptual loss of uh, the V card there too, um, and then of course she immediately has to take control because these guys yeah. don't know what they're doing. <laughs> Into the garbage chute, flyboy! Get in there, you big furry oaf! I don't care what yeah. you smell. Another sexual line from Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> I like how he like kicks him with his leg. You know? Yeah. Oh, I lo- I love Hans line there. What an incredible smell you've discovered. <laughs> well, see, and like, that's what they need in a new SARS movie. I'm just not sure how you do that organically. You know, it's like, this is like a, a really excellent script that, that they're going to have to work hard on to capture that same type of vibe. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, in some of these scenes, I just kind of wonder if like certain droid troops held over from the prequels would have been a lot more effective than the stormtroopers. Mm-hmm. I guess the, the obviously, the clones are all gone. These are just recruits. I guess, who, yeah. Who joined the Empire. Um, yeah, in the special editions, they edit in the guy saying, close the blast doors. Uh-huh. Uh, I don't know why. You know, so they close, and then he says, open the blast doors, open the blast doors. But yeah, like, uh, I guess you have seen by now, these are all just like conscripts and recruits and whatnot. Right. Because Luke uh-huh. talks about wanting to join the Academy, so obviously there's, and you know, Han was a, a member of the Academy, so. They're using real people now. 
Which is it's it's fascinating the dichotomy of it though. Like uh, uh, he wants to join the academy because I I never took that to being the rebellion. You know, like I never took it. Oh to no, I mean the, you know, like Imperial Academy. Yeah, that's what I always took it to be as. But then he talks about how he how he hates the Empire and he just can't do anything about it right now. <laughs> well, Maybe next week. You know, if you uh, include like the retconning that like Timothy Zahn did, where like the the idea is that like they ran out of like their clone troopers pretty quickly, and so they had to start cloning more, and so they used like newer technology that made them faster, but also made uh-huh. them go insane. You know, oh, and so like. That's the Clone Wars eventually turned into, you know, just all out warfare because of okay. that. Cool, cool. And I think he's written some books that I haven't read yet, like retconning that, like Outbound Flight, I think is the one that does that, but, hmm. but yeah, they get in the garbage hatch. Very much like an out of the frying pan into the fire. Uh yeah, the classic like it could be worse than like alien grown. It's worse. <laughs> Uh, and Leia's not only tough, but she's incredibly spunky. I mean, she is she's giving it as good as she can get it uh, as far as quips. Uh, so they eventually escape the trash compactor, obviously. That scene is excellent. It's actually mm-hmm. the excellent humor of of they managed to stop the walls from, from coming in on yeah. them. They're all <laughs> cheering. A C-3PO thinks they're dying. <laughs> Listen to them, R2. They're dying. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so perfect. So um, then the two groups split up as they move through the Death Star, and now it's basically like four groups. Uh, oh yeah, the great the uh, Han shoots the one guy and starts chasing all the stormtroopers, and then he like he gets to the spot where they're all like you know there's a bunch of them, and he has to freak out and run away the other way. All is a classic. Yeah, like Chewie running after him, and then suddenly Han comes running back, you know, from the other direction. <laughs> Good fun. Well, I love that that when he. Runs around that corner and there's like a bajillion stormtroopers waiting for him. He definitely shoots the first guy he sees. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you get the classic uh, uh, swinging across the uh, lack of a bridge between Luke and Leia. She gives him the quick kiss for luck. Um, she, the way she's shooting, she's like kind of like shooting from the hip. You know, yeah. like she's not even aiming it. Yeah. I, uh, I like that Luke carries a grappling hook with him. Yeah. It's like utility belt there. Yeah, he's like farm boy utility belt. That's what you imagine yeah. any like adventurer needs. Yeah, really. They should sell that in the kit. Although me. I think technically that might be the stormtrooper's belt. Could be wrong. Hmm, interesting. Um, and then you have the meeting between Obi Wan and Darth Vader. Well, before that, you have him shutting off the tractor beam, and then like the weird chit chat that the stormtroopers are making. Yeah. Where he's like, "Oh, you seen that new uh, XB thirty eight? That hurts quite a thing." <laughs> well, and he sneaks past them pretty handily like well they're talking they're like oh what do you think this is like another like training thing or something like they're very aware of their own reality you know yeah the rosicrance guild starting it yeah um so then obi-wan and darth vader meet and you're right obviously it's the prequels who are at fault here but after watching the prequels you can't help but have like wanting more from this conversation you just can't help it, I don't think. Um, you would think that these guys would have some stuff to talk about, but Obi Wan like really, like you know, knows how this is going to go, and it kind of seems like he's just putting off the inevitable until he he can make it the most effective. Yeah. When, yeah. when Luke is there to watch him, you know, disappear or die or what have you. Mm-hmm. Only a master of evil, Darth. 
Then you would think that Obi Wan would call him Anakin though, and 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 eh, that's 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 the debatable. biggest thing that I feel like they didn't handle well. I mean, um, you could say that he's doing it on purpose to uh, antagonize, not to not give him the satisfaction of like pretending that he still thinks he can be redeemable or anything like that, you know? Because he doesn't. I mean, and that's kind of the the plot line of of this trilogy is that Luke is the only one who thinks that Darth Vader is redeemable. Uh, Obi-Wan and Yoda do not. Well, and again, Obi-Wan could have pulled Anakin, you know, from the the flames mm-hmm. at the end of Revenge of the Sith. He wants him to die, I think. He just doesn't want to do it himself. He can't, you know, bring himself to do that. But mm-hmm. he knows that he has to be stopped. I don't think, yeah, I mean, that's the thing is Obi-Wan, at the start of that fight in Mustafar, he's he's given up on the idea of redeeming, you know, Anakin. Um, but I like that everyone on the Death Star seemingly stops to watch Darth yeah. Vader fight. Well, because when when that really happened in the military, like like if you're in the military and like the equivalent of like you know General MacArthur or whatever was like having like a fight with like some dude, like you'd just go watch, you know. Yeah. Um, I like the uh, scenes where they're fighting off the Tie Fighters and the and the quad guns. Um. Luke's, you know, he's all like excited. I got one. Han's like, great kid, don't get cocky. But I like how uh, there's like one thing. I think it's after Luke kills the second Tie Fighter. Han kind of gets this like he gets this funny grin on his face as he like adjusts a little knob or something, and then he like kills the last one. Yeah, it's very like it just like feels really cool. It's like this is definitely the life, you know. Yeah. Um, just imagine that sequence though, like in a modern movie. What, which See, sequence? The sequence where they're they're blasting the fighters as they're trying to escape the Death Star, like the, with the two of them and the gunner things. Mm-hmm. Um, just imagine like being able to see like the ship moving, you know, around, and the perspectives. Oh, that'd be so cool. Um, going back to where we were though. So yeah, Obi Wan has that nice devious smile when he knows that Luke is watching, and he lets uh, Darth Vader strike the the killing blow, and disappears. Yes, and disappears, which. You know, blows your freaking mind the first time you watch this movie, having, having sure it, seen nothing else. I'm sure it blew uh, Darth Vader's mind as well. So yeah, well, he goes like, yeah, it goes and, like kicks it, kicks yeah. the uh, like the empty robe. Uh, uh, so yeah, they get on the the Falcon, they escape. Um, oh, one mention. Um, I would swear that in the special edition, they still hadn't fixed a white lightsaber shot. I could be wrong. Do you remember that at all? Uh, it, no, it's because it's kind of interesting when the when Obi Wan and uh, uh, Darth Vader's lightsabers clash, they kind of flash green. Well, there's there's a famous shot. It's after he's killed Obi Wan, and the the doors are closing as Luke is shooting, and uh, just in the background as the doors closing, you see Vader, and he's holding a lightsaber, and it was always white. It was you know the the legendary white lightsaber scene of Star Wars. And I would swear that when they did the special editions, they still didn't fix it. I want to say they only fixed it for the Blu-ray because now it's like a very obvious red. Well, on mine, my, I'm watching on the DVDs that came out just a few years ago, mm-hmm. and it is red. Hmm. You have to go do some. But mind you, there's that. been there have been what, a lot of different four, tweaks they've done. Yeah, four special edition versions. Well, because in the original special edition, Greedo actually does shoot first, not like at the same time. So like they like tweak that. Yeah. Yeah. The original when they released it in was it like ninety six, ninety seven? Ninety seven, yeah. Um well also what I love about the the D V D covers is that they I don't I don't 
love that they did away with the uh, the posters, the illustrated posters, but they have like the posters composited from different you know publicity stills of the characters, mm-hmm. and they've got the one of uh, Han Solo with extremely short hair, <laughs> which is just very weird. And he's got like a blatantly like white shirt, which he doesn't really wear in uh, yeah. the movie. Um, yeah, so they get they they escape the Falcon escapes the you know Lucas little bummed by the loss of uh obi-wan the not quite out of the woods yet so they have to man the gunner stations which luke figures out how to work his pretty quickly yeah well it's like i feel like that's the idea they want to project is like that's the kind of universe they're in where you just you know see to your pants figure it out sort of thing well and that and, and you know it's like it's like he's finally found himself this is what mm-hmm. he's been waiting to become all of his life yeah um and leia is the only one who seems smart enough to know that they're being tracked and or followed mm-hmm. Uh, so they get back to, uh, they get into Yavin 4, and, uh, before they do, Luke and Han bro down a little bit, talk about babes, money. Well, I like how, uh, as soon as Han realizes that Luke is into Leia, he's like, I don't know, what do you think, a guy like me and a girl like her? And Luke's just like, no. And Han just, like, has this, like, you know, it's like, he knows exactly what's up. Like, he's just fucking with Luke. Yeah, yeah. And the, uh, the Marvel comic book version, it's so funny because it's like uh, Luke stands up and yells, no, oh, at Han. It's terrible. Uh, Yavin 4 looks really cool in the special editions. It looks very sharp. Um, just wonder, just... Like, how long does this dude who's up in this weird, like, Capola thing, like, tracking ships, like, how long is his shift? Is he just, like, stuck up there for, like, eight hours? Is he just like peeing off the side yeah. when he has to go? Yeah. Um, so Death Star's approaching Yavin 4. I love that you you have no real visible signs of the Death Star's propulsion systems. Yeah, it just moves. Like, does that thing go into hyperspace? Because, Jesus, that's huge. Um, it does, yeah. The Rebellion, I don't know, it doesn't seem... They seem pretty small. Yeah, they I was they don't seem all that noble in in rewatching. I mean, you could watch just this movie and make the argument that uh the Death Star's like evil or the the Empire's evil actions in this are, you know, all about pursuing criminals and and scoundrels. Um, you know, it's just a little weird. In those terrible uh, Jedi Academy books that Kevin J Anderson did, there's like a scientist that works for Admiral Dela who like invented like the sun crusher and the death star laser but it was like what do you mean like a death star no that was like a project we designed for like uh, planetary mining or something like that it's like they all have these like innocuous uses you know um so before the the battle to go utilize those plans and um luke scores another kiss in the cheek from leia before battle and i just want to i just have in my notes incest is sexy you're required to maneuver down this trench. Yeah. yeah. I like how Luke's just there. Like, no, I could do that. I used to like do it in my like Hickmobile back home, you know? <laughs> and all the other pilots Wait, are like, whatever. He runs into bigs on the porn stash. Some <laughs> other guy comes up and is just like, you're Skywalker. Can you handle this thing? And he's like, yeah. And he's like, you'll do fine, kid. <laughs> well, there's a, a famous we'll scene. We'll take that, anyone in this rebellion. There's a famous scene that they cut that's supposed to happen way back in the beginning of the movie with Luke talking to bigs. Um, yeah. before he gets the droids and everything which i guess uh, from everything i've read is like they cut that scene because biggs is a terrible actor um most of all you know i believe it yeah i believe it um 
Yeah, so as they're going off the battle, I in my notes I wrote down, I wonder if Luke has ever learned spinning, because that's a really good trick. Yeah. And Luke is haunted by the voice of Obi-Wan Kenobi. Yeah, it keeps popping up in his head. All the Death Stars, all this stuff is awesome. Um, I like is, how, like, Wedge, like, even now, like, Wedge is, like, a pretty cool pilot. Like, he's the only one who lives, except for, like, Luke and a Y-Wing. Um, he saves Luke when Luke is being, uh, you know, like, tailed by a TIE fighter when, like, Biggs is supposed to be helping Luke out, but he's not yeah. there. Yeah. Um. It, it, it's, you know, it's so fascinating that like, Lucas could just cut together old scenes of, like, World War II, you know, fighter pilot movies to give his, his people what mm-hmm. he wanted to happen. And um, with that, I think you get a great, like, old classic sense of, like, like dogfight tension. Yeah, yeah. In this sequence. Um, but looking back at now, the odds are so incredibly against the rebellion and their strike on the Death Star that it almost makes this movie seem remotely like unrealistic, like like completely well, and then unrealistic. Luke, Luke fires a shot blind because he's using yeah. the force. Yeah, he does that weird like like body gesture as he does it. Switched <gasps> off his targeting computer. Yeah, Luke, you're right. I'm fine. Yeah. Yeah, big. Uh, uh, why doesn't the Empire just block the communication between the fighters and their control base? You know what I mean? Like, battle will be over. I'm sure there's some EE reason for why that works. <laughs> um, well, I do like that their their radios kind of distort their voices, kind of, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, Porkins is the first to die. I was always unsure. It's like, did he get shot or did he just crash? Like, Porkins seemed like he sucked. Yeah. What his name is Porkins? Yeah. Uh, and then Gold Leader, they fail. They don't even get a shot up, do they? I don't think so. Like, yeah, um, Vader just kills him immediately. Red Leader gets a shot off, but uh, didn't go in. Just unpacked it on the surface. And then he just like does a kamikaze move. Yeah. You would think that they could say, like, all right, we're going to go in. We know that these uh, TIE fighters are going to come in behind us, so you wait till they come in behind us, and then you come in behind them, you know, and yeah. pick them off. Not a whole lot of strategy happening on their part of the... Uh, the not event. a ton, not a ton. I'm, just, uh, I'm fascinated about where did they get their ships from? Like, like why did they the specifically X-wings? have X-Wings and Y-Wings and what They're have you? Incom, yeah. I like how... Wedge gets shot, and it's like, but not too bad, so he just like takes off. Uh, Biggs, meanwhile, just like kind of goes down like a bitch. Yeah, big star collider. Yeah, big star collider. Stay on target. Another (laughs) classic quote embedded in uh, culture. Uh, So then Han returns. Takes out a few times. Really, really awesome shot of the uh, the Falcon like swooping in with the. The sun is like right behind them, you know. Yeah. And uh, Darth Vader spins away. I have you now. I like how even R two like gets shot. You know, it's like oh, like three uh, PO has that kind of like vacant look. You know, as as vacant as a droid can look. You know. Yeah. Yeah. And then yeah, Luke fires his one in a million shot, and it's like the only people who make it out are like Luke Wedge, like one Y wing, and and Han and Chewie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. As it should be. I mean, the odds are so fucking against them. <laughs> I like that the Vader is willing to just go out and get his hands dirty there. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, 
he's uh, these are his loose ends though you know anything to do with obi-wan is his loose ends and this kid is clearly one of them i mean like that's one of the things that i think should have been included though in this is um right after uh, he's kicked the empty cloak like there should be a little more uh, uh something hanging on vader when he starts to walk to that door before it closes and he sees luke you know Mm-hmm. A little more, because I mean, seemingly Empire is all about the fact that for years now, Vader's been specifically looking for Luke, mm-hmm. not just not just rebellion, the rebellion, but specifically looking for Luke. I think you you missed a good shot to have kind of like a close up on Vader's face as he looks across that thing and sees Luke. Well, conveniently, um, Luke didn't like change his name or anything. So yeah, like Luke yeah. Skywalker, huh? You know yeah. what? That's probably my kid. Yeah. Um, and then they go and get medals. Yeah, everybody gets a medal except for Chewie. <laughs> I, guess I love that a... when they were when they were filming this movie, though. Like Peter Mayhew had actual dialogue. He did. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. If you if terrible. you watch some of those those things when they had the behind the scenes stuff, because you get to hear like David Prowse's actual voice on set in the Darth oh. Vader outfit, but uh, Peter Mayhew was actually saying things like the old man is bonkers. Oh Jesus! Yeah, good decision like, to to not go with that. Exactly. Well, I don't. I, I get the impression that it was never, it was never intended to actually like use that dialogue, but they wanted to kind of give you know Harrison Ford something to play off of. Mm-hmm. You know, I just want to point out this movie was shot in twenty four frames per second. It looks amazing. Uh, yeah. Uh, don't get me started. It's like a, a whole idea that like artistry has like no place in movie making from this 48 frames per second people. It's like, no, we have to make it look totally realistic. You know, it's like, there's a reason we don't shoot in video. We, there's a reason we shoot in <laughs> film, you know, it's like, do they watch something like Skyfall with all like the high contrast lighting and like shadows and think like, no, there needs to be more lighting so I can see everything that's happening, you know? <laughs> Since the last like twenty minutes of that movie is completely bathed in darkness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, poor Tarkin. He could have escaped, but he didn't. I like how like a lot of the uh, the Imperials officers and whatnot. They've all got these like pretty badass like sideburns going on because this took place in the seventies. You know? Yeah, well, Tarkin's hair is mm-hmm. like that weird old man hair. Like it. Gets kind of co- going wherever, swept up yeah. on the sides and somehow like curls up into the back. I don't know, I'm fascinated by it. <sighs> and yeah, that is a new hope. Good movie. Mm-hmm. I think uh, I think Lucas might have something there. Yeah, he. I could definitely see there being like a sequel to this movie. Uh, um, some of that backstory stuff sounds pretty interesting. So maybe even like a. Like maybe one prequel I could see him doing. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's, you know, like if, if this movie came out today, that would be all the kind of stuff you hear about on the internet. It's like, whoa, we're going to do a prequel and a sequel. We're going to shoot it all at the same time. Uh, and we're going to we're going to go to the bottom of the ocean to film sequences and yeah, blah 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 blah. Like with Avatar, like you know, like like supposedly James Cameron wants to do like three more movies. Yeah, I don't know why. I, man, I like no desire to watch an Avatar sequel. But I mean, like, uh, uh, you know, rightfully so. Like Spielberg gets a lot of of credit for 
for building up the modern like thriller, you know. Mm-hmm. Hitchcock did like the modern suspense thriller and then Spielberg did his version. Um but obviously Star Wars is a template for a lot of things to follow. Yeah. Well, you know, I I said this before that I never thought the whole idea of making prequels in general for any story is that great of an idea. Uh, it seems like you're automatically like hemmed in in a lot of ways. Yeah. Which is, you know, it's it's a it's a good idea, like in a Song of Ice and Fire, that they don't have like flashback sequences or anything, um, because really that's not where the story is. The story is in the present day. Well, they do mention the a lot of stuff from the past. They mention it, yeah. but that's 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 different than a flashback. You know what I mean? I mean, it's because the story is in the present day. It's haunted by the past, but it, you know, you can't magically go back there mm-hmm. to explain things. Um, yeah, so the original, the original Star Wars: A New Hope, back when it was just Star Wars, uh, eleven million dollars, not too bad for nineteen seventy-seven. Two million dollars of which went to the effects, I believe. Yeah, not too bad. Seemingly made seven hundred seventy-five million dollars in box office since then. Yeah, I think uh, like. If you work in inflation, it's like second to Gone with the Wind. Like Gone with the Wind's number one, Star Wars is number two. Not too shabby. Yeah. So yeah, uh, next week we'll be doing The Empire Strikes Back, episode five. Can't wait. And maybe the week after that, when we do Jedi, we'll have a new director. I don't know. We'll see. That would be nice, you know, if they wanted to, you know, tie it in with what they're doing, what we're doing, and we'll just kind of. Mm-hmm. symbiotic relationship yeah alright well uh, until next week may the force be with you always always